Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 10 through 11 and 14 through 18. Thus says the Lord, in this place of which you say, it is a waste without human beings or animals, in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without inhabitants, human or animal. There shall be once more be heard the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offering to the house of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for steadfast love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, and the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to make grain offerings, and to make sacrifices for all time. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Katie. And let's pray. How grateful we are, holy God, for this place of grace and hospitality and welcome. This place where we sense your spirit moving among us, where we find community, and where we hear your word in fresh and new ways. We pray, Lord, that in these moments, You'll continue to speak to us your word. Speak to us, Lord, in a way we each need to hear it and in a way that we will not miss. For we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Our theme for this Advent is songs of peace. In the midst of the war and strife that our world is filled with, how is God yearning to bring us peace? And how is God calling us to be bearers of God's peace amidst the struggles and sufferings of others? These are the questions we will prayerfully reflect on each week. The prophet Jeremiah is sometimes called the weeping prophet. He had troubling words to say, as prophets often do but also spoke a word of promise and hope to God's people. And it's where we find ourselves in this morning's scripture. He is not writing during the glory days of the people of God. They are not the good old days that everyone looked back on with nostalgia. They are the hard days, wilderness days, days of uncertainty and fear and loss. Their news headlines were filled with stories of war and destruction and grief, just as our headlines are. It was not a hallmark card or lifetime movie of the week kind of moment. 
Yet in the midst of that moment, God is present. God is faithful. God is righteous. That's the truth that Jeremiah has come to proclaim. God has not gone to sleep. God has not disengaged from the needs of God's people. Amidst the war, the grief, the destruction, God is faithful, God is present, God is righteous. Jeremiah is a bringer of this hope, a reminder of God's promises. He points to, he bears witness to God's righteousness. It was a word from God for those whom Jeremiah first delivered it to. And it's a word from God for us today. And the question that this passage begs of us is, are we a glimpse of the righteousness of God that gives hope to a hurting world? By the way in which we lift our voices in song and show up for the needs of our hurting neighbor and hold fast to the promises of God even when God appears absent? Do our lives point to the reality of the righteousness of God, the love of God? <clears throat> and do our lives give hope to a hurting world? I wonder if you saw any of the news accounts of Rosalind Carter's funeral this past week. On Tuesday, there was a large service at the Glen Memorial Church of Emory University in Atlanta that included President and Mrs. Biden, a number of past presidents, and every living former First Lady. And of course, former President Jimmy Carter, 99 years old, on hospice care himself for many months, in a wheelchair in the front row with his children on either side of him. And many who spoke at the service reflected on the kindness and grace that Mrs. Carter extended to those who didn't often hang out with presidents and kings and queens, that she was most comfortable with, most drawn to regular, ordinary people, including those struggling with addiction or poverty or other challenges. Their son, Chip, gave a eulogy. In it, he said, maybe you heard these words. When I started making speeches for dad in his political career, I was so nervous, I often vomited in the waiting room before we went on stage. And one day after debating seven other children, offspring of candidates for president, I called my mother and told her how nervous I got. And she told me something that I have used a thousand times since. She, she said, Chip, you can do anything for 20 minutes except hold your breath. She knew how to give hope, encouragement, how to provide a glimpse of God's unconditional love to those who needed it, whether it was a stranger, someone in trouble, someone viewed as on the fringe, or even with her own son. David Brooks is a New York Times columnist who recently published a wonderful book. Maybe you've seen it. It's entitled, How to Know a Person, The Art of Seeing Others Deeply and Being Deeply Seen. 
What a great title. It struck me that of all the courses I've taken, the degrees I've acquired, the books I've read, none of it has had much to say about how to know a person. He writes, building friendship or creating a community involves performing a series of small, concrete social actions well. Disagreeing without poisoning the relationship, revealing vulnerability at the appropriate pace, being a good listener, knowing how to end a conversation gracefully, knowing how to ask for and offer forgiveness, knowing how to let someone down without breaking their heart, knowing how to sit with someone who's suffering, knowing how to host a gathering where everyone feels embraced, knowing how to see things from another's point of view. Oh, the glimpses of God's righteousness and God's love that would be revealed if we all sought to know one another in those kinds of ways. Not categorize each other, not judge each other, not wage war against each other, but to know one another. Larry Peacock is a Franciscan spiritual director, and he talks about finding markers or reminders each day to call us to prayer, such as meals or stopping at a red light or even bumping into someone in a crowd. What I wonder is what might be a marker for us this Advent season that will call us to prayer. Perhaps it could be the first time we see the lighted Christmas tree in our home each day or when we hear a particular Christmas song, or maybe getting your Starbucks in that red cup, what might be a marker for you? A nudge, a reminder, not only to offer a prayer to God, but to allow your life in that moment and in the hours that follow to point to the righteousness of God, the indwelling presence of God. I love how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 24. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. For you I wait all day long. Like the psalmist, we trust that God is a God who keeps his promises. Do we trust that God's steadfast love does endure forever? I've learned that in most of my relationships, I will only wait for someone if I trust them. Perhaps you remember that story I once told of the story of a traveler who got on a plane for a cross-country trip. A voice came over the loudspeaker saying, welcome to the first ever fully automated flight of an airplane. There is no pilot on board today, not a single one. A computer all by itself will fly the plane. This voice is coming to you from that computer. But you can relax because the computer has been made by some of the greatest experts in all the world and the program has been tested and retested and proven to be totally reliable. 
you'll be in great hands, all will be well. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. Enjoy the flight. Enjoy the flight. <laughs> We're sometimes uneasy, aren't we, about who is really flying the plane. We're uneasy about who it is that's in charge of our lives, who it is that we can trust. God calls us to trust in him with all that we are, and not only to wait this Advent season, but to wait with hope. If we're waiting for God's reign, God's kingdom to be felt and known more deeply in our community and in the world far beyond it, what can we do to help make that happen? For hope is the ability to imagine the world as something different than it currently is and to then embody that difference, that different reality of what God intends the world to become. You know that the Christian posture is always leaning into the future. We don't lean into the past. We're, we're grateful for it. We're inspired by it. But we don't look backward with nostalgia. That's not our primary focus. We lean forward with expectancy and with hope. Hope in the future. Hope in the new things God is doing in our midst. Hope in the ways God will use us to carry out God's will and God's purpose. Hope in the Christ who even now is being birthed into our lives in new and surprising and transforming ways. For our world is hurting. The headlines are filled with stories of war and destruction and grief. And in the midst of this moment, God is present, God is faithful, God is righteous. That's the truth that Jeremiah has come to proclaim. It's the truth that God calls us to proclaim. By the songs we sing, the grace to enemies and strangers that we extend, and by the love that we share.